worried that you might be the cool kid You wear the latest fashions on top of all the trends Or have you ever worried you were too much in the mainstream Always so generic, more normal than your friends Well, we've devised a test to put to rest your fears There's no need to panic if you lend us your ears Tonight you can't sleep easy after all that you've heard Cause if you like the show, then you're probably a nerd Oh, Ken, it's Ken, it's everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of the It's Canon Podcast, the podcast where we talk about all things video games, all things toys, all things books, all things comic books, all things movies, all things Star Wars, all things Lego, all things everything, and the best part of it all is, is that it's all in canon. As always, we're your hosts, I'm Boris, and this week, I'm joined by Phil. Uh, candy cane toothpaste. Oh. oh, gross. Why would you put that in my mind? Well, it's better than beer and, and coffee. Come on. I disagree. <laughs> I wanted me. to throw Boris off, and that didn't even he didn't even budge on that one. So nope. Yeah. <laughs> Not gonna happen. Not today, Satan. Again. Not today. Not gonna happen again. Yeah. Again. <laughs> oh, Sunday, guys. It's Sunday. That means that today we're going to be talking all things news. We're going to be talking about the NMA race. We're going to be talking about, you know, cutting the price of WB movies in theaters because that's going to show a WB. We're going to be talking about people finally being able to watch Tenant. We are also going to be talking about the fallout of Cyberpunk 2077. And I promise this is the last time we're going to be talking about that because... We're going to let people work. We're going to let people figure shit out. But we do want to give an update to a few. Provided there's not an issue with that. Well, yeah, if all of a sudden they're like, actually, we've decided the game's not being supported anymore. We're going to report on that. Yeah. Uh Yeah. Never say never, my friend. We're going to we're going to try to give a break from reportage until there's actual news instead of this like. It's still a mess. It's still a mess. It's still a mess. Yeah, we just want to avoid the dog pile. That's all. Yeah. 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 Because the dog pile's been a little, you know, you know, the, some of it been deserved, but a lot of it has been, you know, kind of bullshit. And we're going to talk mean. a little bit about that. Yeah. But before we do all that, Phil, what's new with you? What's What's going on in the world of phil ah man enjoying stadia life uh (laughs) enjoying star wars uh enjoying video gaming and you know what i'll talk about it when we get to it but i do have friends that have experiences with the ps4 and cyberpunk as well but you know and animal crossing man i'm telling you animal crossing it's it's uh it's christmas on the island it's the most bizarre thing I've ever seen. Last night, I was walking around my island, and I was doing my KK Slider concert. Your what? KK Slider. Slider. 
Yeah, <laughs> the, the dog comes and plays a show. All, All right. right. Whoa. I thought you said... And, I heard something completely different. No, 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 no. It's Animal Crossing. It's pure. It's 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 family. And but the thing is, is that it's snow everywhere, so you can see every single creature. And a tarantula ran past me, and that made me freak out because tarantulas are back. It was scorpions, now it's tarantulas. So people, be careful after seven o'clock when you're playing on your island. Watch out for the tarantulas. That's my health and safety update <laughs> for Tyler, Animal Crossing. How's it going with you? What's new? What's exciting? It's Christmas, and my day job's in retail, and my other job is doing reporting. I have been barely sleeping and trying to build a server on top of all of it. So maybe I'm making some mistakes somewhere. I'm very busy, and I'm and losing my mind. Yeah. Mm. I know some mistakes you've made watching Star Trek Lower Decks. God. That show. I finally finished it last night. Oh, it's done. Yeah, we just have to finish our twelve days of torture. Jeez, we're close. Yeah, we're close. The end of sight. Exactly. Yeah. All right, so that is a perfect segue to talk about what's coming up here on the It's Canon podcast. It is Christmas. But that doesn't mean we're going to stop giving you shows for your eardrums. We are going to finish off our 12 days of Christmas. Today we are on day 7. Tomorrow, 8. Day after that, Yeah, talking about nine. dog piles. <laughs> yep, so every day until episode 10, day 10, we're going to be talking about Star Trek Lower Decks. Or trying to, as I drink beer and coffee and eat panettone, as I pick up Amazon packages, as I, you know, we vamp, I hit record without telling you guys. Yep, it's been the, that type of 12 days, but uh, that's where we're it's, at. So, it's every podcast we hate, we're doing. <laughs> yeah, talking over each other, laughing, inside jokes. It's literally every podcast I hate, but here we are. Soon we're going to have Joe Rogan on as a guest. Oh, oh. God. You wouldn't you wouldn't take the time to talk to him? I, oh, I would. I don't think I would because to what end? Like I don't think you can you can pin the guy down on anything. I don't think I mean this is this is a little bit of a deep cut, but I think it's a little bit like talking to one of those right-wing nut jobs. I'm not actually saying he's a right-wing nut job here, but I'm saying like to what end would I get if I interviewed Ben Shapiro? Like he's not going to commit to anything. Yeah. He's going to mm. Or it's not going to change anything, right? Like, it, it's... I would much rather interview um, someone, like, I want to interview Bill, uh, Bill, uh, uh, Joe Rogan's producer, and be like, what do you think about the fact that this is enabled uh, conspiracism to run rampant? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, You know, if I had the chance to talk with him or interview him or whatever... I'd love I the the stuff that I enjoy. I don't like this new conspiracy world we live in. I I find that conspiracy is really a dangerous thing now because of how politicized it is, and I I, I think that that affects our view of Joe. Yeah. But I'd love to talk about the old conspiracy stuff like UFOs. Yeah. And oh God, you can't. It's not. There's not separate. I've I've literally written a book and done reporting on it, and it's oh, yeah. all the same thing. Yep. Like the overlap think? between. Between QAnon and Flat Earthers is so much more than you would think. 
Uh, Donald Trump Jr. was a guest of honor at a flat earth convention in 2018. Jeez. Like, there is no... You can't... It's... I mean, then you go back to the fact that it's it's all anti-Jewish stuff, right? QAnon leads to the JQ. Ben Shapiro talks about how the difference between ethnic Jews and, like, real Jews, and it's like, oh... Yeah. Yep. And that's why we, like, you know, I wish we did that episode a few years ago, Tyler, when we expanded away from comics. We had awesome guests lined up, but it just, time and real life became an issue. But I wish we did that conspiracy show way back when, um, because that's not anything we'll be able to do anytime soon. Yeah, I think if you were established enough of a brand that you could actually be attacking conspiracism, you'd have a chance. Yeah. But I think if we were to try to start a conspiracism, and I use that word specifically mm-hmm. um, because that is like the study of conspiracy theories versus like I'm not a conspiracy theory believer. Yeah. Uh, right. You'd be in my because I think if you started one right now and you got any traction, you'd end up with lunatics after you yeah. so fast. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Like you'd be yeah. accused of being Satan. You'd be getting doxxed instantly. Yep. One hundred percent. Yeah. Just leave that so, alone. So yeah, so 12 Days of Christmas, which leads us into Christmas Eve. On Christmas Eve, Phil and Tyler are going to get a little break. Matt and I are going to take over, and we're going to be talking all things wrestling. We have two From the Vault shows on Christmas Eve. That will be day 11 of our 12 Days of Christmas, and then day 12 on Christmas Day. We have a fun show ready for you. Well, it's not ready, per se. It's planned. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, I guess, we're going to li- live meeting, guys. What are we going to do for Christmas? We have a couple options. <laughs> we can take the week off and do a From the Vault episode. Um, there's two episodes that I'm eyeing to put up in place of a regular news episode. Um, I guess the question I should ask is, when are we going to take the week off? Next week or the week after that? Because we're going to have a best and worst episode you know best whatever movie worst movie best comic book worst comic book um so i'm i'm easy going i'm gonna be a little bit of a pain and i think we we were talking about a certain news story before we opened recording and i think we need to see if that ends up being correct because that determines the rest of my next two weeks yeah you're right right because if all of a sudden i have world a going on my availability is much different than if world b goes along yeah you're right Mm -hmm. you're right all right so well i'm working from home so i'm good for anything exactly same here (laughs) but i have a couple episodes lined up um and they are going to be very fun episodes uh so it's funny because yesterday i was looking over um the vault of the it's canon podcast vault and man oh man has the show changed a lot Number one, we've added Phil, Kyle, who knows where he is, dropped off the face of the earth, went back home to his home planet, is a secret spy, like Tyler and I always thought. We don't know. Um, So that's change number one. Change number two is just the format from all comics to everything but comics. Um, And even just the way that we talk, it's just so different. Um, But anyways... I was able to get some of the older episodes, and I'm going to have to remaster them. I'm going to be George Lucas and remaster mm. them. Maybe add, like, some... McClunky. 
Yes. <laughs> Maybe add some yelps in the middle of it. We'll see. Will help screams. Yep. But there's two episodes that I'm eyeing um, <laughs> to releasing, and that's because they were actually some of the better episodes. Oddly enough, Kyle isn't in either episode. <laughs> <laughs> It, and that made me laugh. It was just Tyler and me. The first episode is our hour-long review of the Killing Joke movie. Mm. Can't, I can't remember what I said. I think my thoughts on that movie have evolved since then, and I think I hate it more. Okay. And that's why. I think it would be great for us to release that and then revisit that movie. Because you brought that up uh, last week when we were doing some uh, 12 Days of Christmas recording. So it would be a lot of fun to kind of revisit that. The other episode that I'm eyeing, and I would only release the first half, and that's the original Jim Zub interview. Because listening back to what he was talking about, and he was talking about some of the properties and some of the IPs that he really wants to write and hopes he can one day write, well, he wrote them. So... Mm. Almost all of them. Yeah. Yeah. It's really funny and really weird. But I was re-listening to that episode, and uh, yeah, it was a great chat with him. Even a year ago, um, it was an hour and a half long chat that we had with him. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I will probably release some of those episodes during the break. Um, and then we're going to give you our best and worst of 2020 at some point. So stay tuned as we talk about that. So... Are we ready for some news, guys? I'm ready. Yeah, I think so. All right. Cyberpunk 2077. It's been a week. Ooh. It's been a crazy week for the game. From refunds to no refunds to refunds again to it being taken off of the Sony store and the Microsoft store to infighting within the company to C-level execs getting shit on by employees to IGN saying this is the worst game ever, then to IGN saying we need to cut this game some slack, to fan backlash, to just about everything in between. This week has been a hell of a week for CD Projekt Red. Um, so I th this question is going to be twofold. Question number one, how's your experience with the game? And question number two is... What are your thoughts on the entire situation and how CD Projekt Red is handling it, Tyler? I mean, I'm still loving the game. Um, like it's it's especially if you're not mainlining the main quest, there's so much going on there. Yeah. And I'm seeing some people shit on like the main quest is only like 30 hours. And I'm like, isn't if you mainline the Witcher? Like if you mainline the main Witcher quest thing it's only about 30 hours as well mm. and and part of that is in the witcher 3 it's a little bit more obvious or so it's a little bit less obvious when you can just abandon a quest and just go to the next thing um it's very easy to be like well i have to stay here and finish these these issues i need to deal with and you don't you can just leave um and then i don't know i i'm still finding uh i've hit a few more bugs than we had before it's still not too, too bad. Uh, I have... There was one mission I had that, like, the world design was a little bit funky. It didn't flow quite right, but this is such a, like... It encouraged you to go to point A through, like, path design. Yeah. And actually, you mm -hmm. wanted to go to point B, which is, like, ah, they had a little bit of a mess up in this area design, but... Okay. 
I, I overall I'm still enjoying it. I'm still in a really good time. I've also like everyone I've talked to, and again, I, I am fully owning this is anecdotal evidence, but I only have one person who tried to play it on a PS4 and found it didn't work. Mm-hmm. I have two people I've talked to and know who are just playing it on the PS4. And they're like, yeah, it's downsampled a bit, but it's fine. Mm-hmm. And there's someone who's playing it on their excuse me, there's someone who's playing on their PC on the 1080, and they're also like, it's actually pretty, it's like it's good. So mm. I don't know. I, yeah. The fact that CD Projekt Red, like the fact that the staff were able to very apparently kind of be like, we were over siloed. What the hell was management thinking? Yeah. Is honestly like, what the fuck is happening? Yeah. Um, it's, you know, uh, we should have seen this coming when the staff said, what the fuck? Uh, when they were shocked about the latest and the last um, delay. So. There was obviously silos. There was silos. There was obviously some communication issues where the managers were kind of making decisions and not informing everyone. Um, so yeah. that's that. That's a thing. You know, I've been there. I've I've seen it firsthand, and it's really shitty. You know what the worst thing in being in tech is? Finding out news from the news, not from oh, your superiors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Oh. Um, but. You know, do you think, Phil? How about you? Before I before I ask 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 that question, Phil, your experiences. My, mine have been good so far. Like Stadia is remarkably stable, remarkably uh, capable of handling everything that I'm throwing at it, or everything that that Cyberpunk throws at it. So I'm very thankful overall about the fact that I went that route that you guys encouraged me to. I'm very thankful for it because I don't know that I would have enjoyed it super great on my PS4 Pro, but I don't think I would have had a a tough time with it. Mm. Now, what's happened from my understanding, and some of this is rumor, I guess, but apparently CD Projekt Red didn't really communicate to Sony or Microsoft about the refunds. They just kind of made that kind of bit known and now it's believed it's being speculated on so i I firmly put that into that bin but it's being speculated that the move by sony on friday to basically issue refunds and take it off the store was sony's way of getting back at cd project red like Mm -hmm. just throwing a little monkey monkey wrench into the pudding like fuck you you're not going to talk to us well we're going to pull your game. And Microsoft uh, similarly followed suit after a lot of executives came out and said, well, we're not having this problem with Microsoft. Then boom, Microsoft did it. So it, it, there's a lot happening behind the scenes. I have friends who are playing it on PS4 and one of them shockingly refunded. <laughs> and I was, I was a little bit surprised at that because I thought they were both fairly happy with their experience on it. And it, one guy is dumping loads of time into it on his PS4 and does not have any complaints. Another guy I thought was having a good time with it, decided to return it, was asking me about Stadia. I think he was like, well, if I get a free controller and all that, then I had to tell him, well, that, that promotion's over, dude. So you kind of missed the boat on that. However, 
Uh, you can use your regular controller if you want. So I'm trying to find out if he's actually going to re-engage on the game because I did, through talking to him, find out that his return wasn't predicated on the, the actual issues that Cyberpunk are dealing with. Yep. He, he didn't like the driving component. He didn't like uh, some of the bugs and things, and that's why he justified the return in his sure. mind. And yeah. Sony were just like, hey, we're going to give you your money back no matter what. So I'm I'm a little bit miffed with them because I'm like, well, that's not the reason why they issued the refund in, yeah. in principle, right? Yeah. It's 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 it, it's the frames per second or the actual playability or the broken level of the game uh, for your experience. I'm disappointed yeah. in CD Projekt Red in the sense that uh, they, they I wish they would have paid more attention to that base console because it's obviously a big driver of sales and whatnot. It's just too bad, and I hope that they get it fixed. I really do. I want to see this company succeed. I don't want to see the internet freaking out the way it is either because it's not fair to all these people who put in a lot of hard work. It just sounds like what Tyler had said, that there was an over-siloing and, and a mismanaged component of it that resulted in this, and it's too bad that it happened to them, and I hope that they get it fixed. My big takeaway uh, after thinking about a lot and thinking about my experience with video gaming and all the different companies that have pissed me off in the past. Yeah. But I still regularly engage in their product. I just wish that this would have happened earlier in the video game life. Yeah. Instead of it happening to CD Projekt Red, I would have liked it to have happened to Bethesda. I would have liked it to have happened to Ubisoft. I would have liked it to happen to these big offenders that released dog piles of games on consoles that were current gen and i don't really get into this whole well the ps4 is last gen no the ps5 has been out for a month all right the ps4 is still a current gen console once the base grows for ps5s and xbox series x's then that becomes the new champion that becomes what you aim to develop for i get it but when they developed this game over the past eight years ps4 hardware was prime and it should be playable on that. That's my only issue. Like, or do exactly what retroactively we know. Release it on PC first. If you're not happy with current consoles, the current established base, then you have to you have to put on the big boy pants and go, we're only releasing this on PC and maybe Stadia, this controlled experience. Because the thing that I have a big problem with as well is that on the review copies, they were only PC. The people weren't allowed to show the review copy. So that, to me, signals that somebody at CD Projekt Red was like, we have a big fucking problem, but we're going ahead with it anyway. Right? Like, those things worry me. And I hope that CD Projekt Red address them internally. We don't need to be educated about it. We just need to be assured and then prove it. Like, next game that comes out, don't make those missteps. That simple, you know. Look at that, we solved it. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, what are your guys' thoughts on any of that? I, I, I mean, I think it, it really seems like, and this is why I think we're all stopping covering it right now. Is so much of this is going to be a business case of whose fault is this, and to what extent, right? It's yep. super easy now for them to all the play play the PR game, and. I mean, I get kind of frustrated with how easy we all fall for it. Like we, we even fell for it with Sony and Marvel negotiating over Spider-Man. Of just that was done mm-hmm. in the in the public sphere because they can do it, and 
somewhere at a boardroom, they decide, you know, we're not the ones who are getting death threats, so it's just acceptable to do. Um, and and developers continue to get death threats and to continue to get attacked, and, and voice actors get attacked again, which is like, they have nothing to do with this. So yeah. this can, this keeps on keeping on. Yeah. It's sad. Yeah, no, but it's, it's, it's it needs to happen. Crazy. Yeah. Do you, you know, think it needs to happen? Do you think that this is going to be a learning experience for other studios or are video gamers and gamers memories so short that we're going to forget about this entire ordeal and just shit on the next major game that fucks up? <laughs> that one, that second one. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. No one learns. It and it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um Yeah. I, I am going to be very interested to see what those return numbers are, because I don't think they're going to be as high as a lot of people think. Agreed. Um, I mean, a great yeah. example is despite, like, I think what we're seeing on social media is there's a lot of people who are hating on the game because you're, because hate and vitriol does better on social networks and social media than enjoying a thing does. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you look at, for an example, Green Man Gaming had their vote for the best game of the year thing recently, and Cyberpunk won. Like, it won against, like, Doom Eternal. Um, so people are enjoying it. I just think that they're not the ones who are on Reddit, right? Like, I think that instead of being on Reddit bitching, they see how toxic mm-hmm. that is, and they're like, well, I'm just going to go back to playing Cyberpunk. Yeah, exactly. At the end now, of the day... I, I agree with you, Tyler. It, the, the return numbers, I think, are not going to be that big. But apparently about 40% of the game sales uh, fall into the console-ish territory at a sure. good guesstimate. Um, one thing that that did happen on Friday was the stock took a beating. Yeah. Like, I think they went, we're down to like 22%. 25 to 30% at the worst. Yeah. And it has so a small recovery. Over, they lost over a billion dollars. Yep. Now they have no. lots of money. They, no, no, they didn't That's lose over a billion dollars. Now. The value of the company was down, which is based yeah. upon perception. Yeah. The yeah. actual company loses no money for the stock yeah. price changing. Correct. That means you'll perceive the company being worth less. We just want to be very specific. Yeah. We're going to say they lost a billion dollars because all of a sudden someone's going to cite us. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> no, no, no. I, I had heard that reported, but it was in that context. Uh, I was going to clarify like that just means the stock price took a hit. Oh, yeah. That but. reflects that amount of money. But it, it's not coming out of their pocket. It's not like a billion dollars left the company. They have lots of money to fix this. <laughs> they have, they have and, they and then yeah. the money goes back into the company <laughs> in yeah. the stock. You know what I mean? So it's well, and the stock opinion. And the stock was arguably hot mm-hmm. because of this game coming out. Yeah. Yep. Um, but yeah, so I'm I, as a as a. Uh, what is it? As uh, as doing our due diligence, I own stock in OTGLY, which is one of the ways foreigners can invest in CD Projekt Red. And my holdings are rec- are reporting down thirty one point three three percent since whenever the last time I ran this report was, mm. which was during the worst of it. Yeah, yeah, that's that's. <laughs> That's a hit, for sure. Here's a couple things that need to happen, in my opinion, and you guys can shoot this down right away as I'm talking. Um, Because, you know, as talks of lawsuits rise, I think that sea levels 
at CD Projekt Red need to step down ASAP, um, regardless of how into it, how much they knew, how much they didn't know, it doesn't matter. It's always a good sign when C-level execs step down. It just because, you know, at the end of the day, it's on their stage. So that's number one. Number two, and we're already seeing this right now, and that CD Projekt Red is committed to this game. Mm-hmm. At the very least, yep. they basically said, we will fix this game. From an optics PR point of view, that's really the best move you can do. And now at this point, you know, along with this, is they're going to need to continually and aggressively over-communicate almost, you know? Um, I don't know if they want to over-communicate. No, I don't mean over-communicate to the point like every day you're going to send a a press release. But I think that you're going to have to actively show that you are committed to fixing this game by having... Oh, yeah. Uh, set, um, you know, every two weeks you're going to get a patch or something like that, right? Like every yeah. dev window, um, you know, and then at one, at once every little bit, just give an update on kind of the state of play uh, for that game. But, you know, we're already seeing that CD Projekt Red is committed to fix this game, and that's the very least that you can ask for. But I still think that, you know, some heads will have to roll because things are just going to get nasty. Like you've lost confidence within your ranks uh, something needs to happen there or else this company is going to see more delays in the what six seven projects they have slated for 2021 mm-hmm. so yeah and it seems like they're the employees from you know the reports no they're not confirmed they're not there's not like reporters sitting in on these meetings but they are reported on the employees seem to have a pretty genuine level of frustration with some of how all of this, how they're being treated, right? Not only yeah. by the public, as Tyler pointed out, but even within their own ranks, that these concerns were possibly brought to light earlier and not really acted upon, yeah. which is a very frustrating place for anyone to be in. Yeah, and again, I feel bad. I've been there. I know, I know how that feels. I know how it feels when you tell management, this is not working. This it's not good and they ignore you and then you get shit on and then it's like mm-hmm. well you guys need to work harder we fucking told you so yeah mm-hmm. a lot of this is just coming from experience and yeah it's just, it's it's not a fun place to be in um and this is why i think one of the most important things we can do as quote-unquote journalists podcasters people who share opinions and about news that's happening and that is to leave these guys alone let them fix their issues let these issues get fixed by cd project red let the game evolve let the game get better let them figure out what it is they need to figure out we will update you if something breaks major whether it be the game literally breaking or the game improving but i think it would be a good position for us to just let CD Projekt Red do their thing and improve the game and show that commitment to their consumers. Correct. And also we can go back and play it. (laughs) Instead of reading the internet and all the horror stories that the internet can can generate. Well, yeah, yeah, also like, yeah, the meme capacity of here's a dumb thing that happened to glitch in my game. It's in part why I bring my own anecdotes is it's like, that only like that requires one person, and then ten thousand people will go see it's garbage. And every yeah, game yeah. has those. 
it's how memeable they are. And that's what yeah. that is. Whether you liked Andromeda or disliked it, its initial critical round was super hurt by a few memes about it. Yep. Yep. And that's well, the thing. perception. Even Consumer Halo perception. Infinite. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Halo Consumer... Infinite. Like the 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 Craig guy that they isolated and whatnot. It, it, he had like three seconds on camera in that demo. And that became a meme of just huge proportions that ultimately delayed the product launch and and everything. Now, it certainly sounds like, you know, the developers, 343 Studios, were having developmental issues and weren't really being forthright about it. But my goodness, like, the internet can be a very you know, mean place when it comes to that. One thing I was thinking about, and this is literally the last point, and this is somewhere... Someone at 343 is saying, Woo! <laughs> Thank God we <laughs> delayed. <laughs> Otherwise, the It Canon podcast hits would be through the roof. <laughs> 343, ruin Halo. <laughs> 343, ruin Halo. 343, ruin Halo. 343, ruin Halo. Gotta get that, gotta get that SEO score. Yeah. Sorry, Jason. I know Parisito is going to be listening, so well, uh, he's a big <laughs> Halo fan. <laughs> so are we. So are we. But you know, yeah, yeah. Except for, was it five hit my worst list? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's true. Um, yeah. So that's that's that, guys. Let's go back to enjoy the game. I've been enjoying it a lot. I've had one crash in a week, um, but outside of that, it's been a very fun game. I've had a lot of fun playing it so far, and I can't wait to continue. And I'm looking forward to whatever CD Projekt Red does with the game. So that's that. All right, let's move on, and let's talk about an industry that we rarely talk about on the show, but it's an ever-growing, untapped industry. We know that the video game industry in the U.S. can generate up to $35.4 billion. That was the video with game. A billion. With a B. Billion. Billion. Um, that was the U.S. video game revenue in 2019. In the world, in 2018, it was worth $138.7 billion. Now, mm. this is chump change, but it's still worth noting, and that's anime. Anime brings in more than $19 billion a year. Now, that's a lot of money. In where am I going America? with this? This is in the world. Where am I going with this? The world. And that's the untapped market that is the USA. As mm. niche as anime is, it's still a very popular um, market. You know, there's always that one big anime show that everyone's watching. Attack on Titan, Sailor Moon, Dragon Ball, what have you. There's always those few anime shows that always like make it big here in North America. But... With streaming services such as Funimation and Crunchyroll, you know, they've been able to kind of simulcast the anime shows that are hap- uh, that are being aired in Japan here in North America, and that's been huge. Now, one thing that, we, that we've been saying is more is more sometimes. More is not always good. Too much choice is not always good. We're seeing this in streaming services when it comes to HBO Max, Netflix, Peacock, CBS All Access, etc., etc., etc. And 
here in the you know, United States, you used to see Crunchyroll and Funimation. Well, no more. USA is um, is co- consolidating their viewers as Sony sells Crunchyroll to Funimation. Um, mm-hmm. This has a lot of insiders and fans a little worried because now it's the one streaming service to rule them all. It comes down to what Funimation wants you to watch. Um, you know, and the, they, they both show very different things. Crunchyroll is more of a simulcast service with what's hot in the USA. Um, they have a lot of exclusives. Uh, Funimation gets a lot of bad reputation for the horrible apps that they support. Um, or, you know, it's just barely working apps, especially on, like, the PS4 and Xbox. Um, but in terms of the anime market, and in terms of, you know, this untapped resource, do you see this being a good thing or a bad thing? I know that we don't typically talk talk about anime in general, but what are your initial thoughts on, you know, the one to rule them all, Phil? I'm not a big fan of it. I, I Especially if their apps are less than desirable on big platforms like Sony and whatnot. I can't imagine that they're those apps are thriving on other lesser known services per se. I'm not a big fan of the idea of the corporate thing, but I do, you know, I can concede too much sometimes confuses the marketplace, like too much choice, but it seems like the fan bases have their reasons for going to each thing. And, you know, the, the concern would be that Funimation doesn't honor the legacy or the, the true intention of Crunchyroll, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like that simulcast, um, unfiltered Japanese access, right? Like the, to that market, to yeah. to where it's it's thriving. I think that there's something noble and whatnot. It's not really my in my Apple cart as far as what I would. I've tried watching Crunchyroll. Like I have a tough time even on Netflix sometimes with anime yeah. because I do like it to be um, dubbed. I'm yeah. one of those guys. I don't mind the subtitles when I understand already what the story is, but I find it very distracting to read subtitles yeah. and watch the show. Now, you brought it. up a great point, and that is Netflix. So it is not really the one to rule them all. Netflix is still a huge player in the anime space, and they, in fact, doubled. They more than doubled their viewers of anime in 2020, as far as we know, and the numbers that have been provided. Um so, you know, and this is all a counter-programming to Disney+, and the animation of Disney, and the power of Disney. So I, this is why I think that anime is going to only become a more important factor to streaming services as they try to fight against Disney and Disney+. Plus. Tyler, your thoughts? Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I honestly don't know on this one. I have, I have very mixed views on anime kind of kind of generally so i i don't know i'm being very unhelpful here i know that i yeah i don't know yeah do you think here let me rephrase that do you think that anime right now is getting a lot of attention for by some companies to kind of program disney 
maybe that 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 might be their intent but and again we're i'm gonna rely on the anecdote of what i'm seeing and the 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 limited data i've seen is that as soon as one of these shows hits netflix specifically um it hits like a it hits like a bomb um and we see in the retail space that the manga and any any merch you have to go along with any of the ones that hits netflix and does well in the netflix algorithm does super well with like the tween teen range so i i mean this year we're looking at hunter x hunter we're looking at haikyuu we're looking at a, a few others that are really well in canada and i don't know how much of that is trying to counter program disney because I don't know how well Disney's offering in the tween teen space does other than Marvel, which is just kind yeah. of like it's in everyone. Yeah. I don't think Disney has a teen tween model at the moment. They don't. It's just like we catch them with everyone else with our over the top family movies. Yeah. Well, I think, I think it fits into something though, what you're bringing up about those markets in that that's what Netflix are trying to attain. Right is getting that group and maybe maybe they aren't happy in the disney space so it's not really taking a disney customer but it's more establishing or firming a base right and then what does disney do to react to that now or do they view it as a demographic or a market that they want to be in because the the other thing with manga or with with anime is that mm-hmm. i'm pretty sure I, I don't know. This is this might be a completely ignorant statement. So I'm going to preface this. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure it's cheaper to buy than some of the than it is to for Disney to develop. Like Netflix could go out and get shows from Japan for cheaper than maybe some of their other content where they have to buy friends and stuff like that. Sure. The marketplace is probably like sitting there going, all right, give us money. We don't, yep. you know, this is how much we kind of want. And it's not a hundred million dollars. You know what I mean? So yeah. from Netflix's point of view, it's content that they put on. It's an audience they get, and it's probably at a way lower buy-in price as far as getting those hours and getting that, those eyeballs. Yeah, that's for so sure. So I think that's their corporate strategy, right? And now somebody else is in the market going, well, Disney are, not even acknowledging this and we can amalgamate by this and try to go to war with that base. Right. That's where the power play is happening. And Disney are saying, we don't even want to put our foot into that pool because we own everything else. (laughs) And the thing is, is like, we need to remember is anime is so versatile. There's an anime for every age group. You have your anime that's for children, Mm -hmm. your anime that's for teens. You have your adult animes. You have your animes that are for women. You have your adult animes that are for men. It's so versatile. So you can get quite the library going by buying licenses from Japan and you know you cut your costs you have a good license you market the shit out of it you air it you sell some shit Tyler sells some shit and everyone's happy mm-hmm. ghost in the shell baby <laughs> yeah, oh no like... <laughs> hey like well, Netflix Netflix released ghost in the shell this year 
They did yeah. a eight episode like series with it or yep. something like that, and it was good, man. I enjoyed it. Yep. But that's the and thing. They're, so, they're releasing more. Yeah. So. so I I can see the anime market becoming a lot bigger, and one thing that's really blocking anime, and that's you know we've talked about this in the past, and this is an issue with comics, is here in North America it's the attitude towards cartoons or comic books. Um, you know it's it's the oh it's for kids argument. Um, and, you know, until we move past that, I think that there's a ceiling to where anime can take us. But I do think that it is a bit of an untapped market that can, I'm not going to say, seed the winds of change in that s- streaming space, but it can for sure make a dent and make a lot of people a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I also think that, I think that you're right, that like, cartoons have this weird attitude towards them in in scare quotes the west for lack of a better term um and yeah like anime is 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 very much just like it's it's grouping all anime together has always struck me as weird because it's just like a subset of cartoons yeah and because it's an animated show uh yeah yeah, yeah like, you have it, your it comes action to... adv- you have your action adventure. You have your soap operas like Marmalade Boy, like full on soap opera. You have your slice of life. So you have your everything. So I don't understand mm-hmm. like just because it's drawn and with characters with big eyes, it's everyone lumps it as anime. Well, I can tell you it 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 originates from the actual um unveiling of it into our culture in the 80s. Yeah. All right. Probably My generation. Am. And we used to call it Japanimation. Yeah. Because that's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. So it was Macross Saga, you know, Robotech, G-Force. Yep. There's a whole bunch of stuff that got imported, and it was a style, and they were all largely the same type of show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then we called it Japanimation, and that made the category that evolved in anime. But I think it's that overarching... Well, that's anime, and there's no recognition of those subcategories or those yep. age groups, right? You're right. It's, it's just a, a, a sloppy label that people slapped on it. Yep. All right. So that's that. I th- Like I said, I think that this is an untapped market, and it'll be very interesting to see how Netflix and Funimation um, deal with their anime properties. Let's jump to movies. So I'm going to need a little help, guys, because I read this article. I've read this headline, and I still don't understand how this is showing WB anything. And that is, the theater chains in the USA want to slash the prices of movies if they're WB. And this is in retaliation of the movies being simulcast on HBO Max. So how are you showing them? How are you sticking it to WB? If you're slashing no, no. price on your own product, maybe if <laughs> if the, the the deal is a percentage of sales to WB, but even then, it's it's cutting off your nose to spite your face. Exactly, and these are this is, these are companies that are bleeding. They say they can't even make it to January, and they're pulling this bullshit. Like I don't understand what the oh, fuck these companies are thinking of. I get it. I get it. You know what? This is the play. All right, it's a combination here. I love how proud you are, FYI. They cut, 
no, I, I'm I'm thinking. I'm just I'm like literally <laughs> digesting it and thinking. So I'm I'm gonna guess. It's a guess. Okay. But here's the deal. They drop the prices to hurt Warner Brothers. All right. They're hurting themselves. You're right. They're hurting themselves. But they drop the prices to hurt the 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 contracts and everything like that that goes on with Warner Brothers. Like obviously those films are gonna have to come out of theaters sooner. They're gonna go into streaming that changes their whole revenue stream, everything like that. But here's the brilliance in it. They're dropping the price, which means that every day is going to be $2 Tuesday for the movies if you want to go see a Warner Brothers movie, which, you know what? That puts more scratch in your pocket. And what are you going to do when you're at the movie theater? You're going to buy pop and popcorn. It costs you a total of $0.10, and you charge them full price. So, therefore, your highest markup profit item is going directly into your pocket, and you're shooting Warner Brothers at the same time and playing Havoc with them. But you're still hopefully raking in the eyeballs because a cheap price, we all know, discount Tuesdays. Hey, guess what? Theater's going to be packed. I'm going to go on a Friday because I or a Thursday because I don't want to be around people. I don't want to be in dank and moist theaters. Blah, 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 blah. But this way, that that can be the only way that I can see this being thought of as a good move in a boardroom yeah does that work i don't know but they probably have data that supports it hopefully but these are the same companies who had data and they're going bankrupt i don't know man I, i don't think i can blame movie theaters for not forecasting a pandemic right like but they were going bankrupt way before the pandemic well they had problems in their industry yes cool that can be the only, that's the only silver lining I can see I like, how somebody would sit there and go, how do we, how do we justify this? And so like, well, we want to hurt Warner brothers, but if we get a lot of people into a movie theater and we give them a cheap experience, then odds are there's, they still have money in their pocket and they're going to buy candy bars and all this other stuff that you can buy at the dollar store or you can buy it here for seven. <laughs> I, I think Phil's on to something. But I think it's more of a Hail Mary and less of a cold calculated, like, That's we've got it. I think it's more of like, ah! Yeah. This industry is in Hail Mary right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is literally why, just like, throwing me, stuff on the wall. Don't, like, as a sh- if I were a shareholder to these companies, I would say, fuck you, don't do that. I would have been out as a shareholder so long ago. <laughs> I would have been like, what? I can sell the stock still? Yeah. Really? <laughs> Let me go like, buy if, when you Project look at the Red. AMC numbers. <laughs> if you look at the numbers that AMC are posting and the forecast and the money pit that it's dwelling in right now, it's not good, people. Like, I'm telling you, I don't know what fund manager is going to sit there and go, oh, you, you need another billion dollars? Sure, we've got that for you. Like, they're on their last legs and they're openly like we're done in January. <laughs> like this is, this is going to be a chain that gets bought up or bought out by Disney and then remodeled like a company like Disney. I'm not saying that Disney will do it, Yeah, but it's going to be one of these movie houses, Warner brothers. I don't know who buys them or buys a large percentage of them legally speaking and remodels them and distributes because as Tyler we've pointed out a lot of that law got off the books this year where there the studios are allowed to own theaters again 
Yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot that has to happen if, there. Yeah. I I just think that that's the long play and you let it fail and then you try to go in and pick up what you can. Cuz let's face it too. A lot of these theaters aren't really owned. They're owned like they're not owned by who you think they are. They're not owned by AMC. AMC rent those spaces from places like malls and yeah. things like that. The, yeah, yeah. The the true owners of the theater are the property holders and yeah. they lease them out to AMC. Yeah. <laughs> right? So there's a lot going on in this space. It's not as as we want to break it down as black and white. There's a lot of factors in here and there's a lot of people that can push and pull. I just don't get it. Like, for me, it just makes zero sense. This is, like, at this point, when you're near bankrupt, maybe this is the time to, like, say fuck you to a company like WB, right? When you're going bankrupt. Mm. It's like yeah. going going in, in a, you know, blaze of glory type thing. Yeah, but it's a proven, it's a proven template to get people in. Yeah, you're right. I, I don't know, like... I think in a non-pandemic world, that strategy might pay off way more. I just think the pandemic now, it should be enough to scare the shit out of people from going to a movie. <laughs> but, I mean, yeah. then we look at the states. <laughs> yeah. I just, yeah. Florida is like, oh yeah, gonna be a $2 movie I'm gonna get in there, I'm gonna sneak in my bourbon. Oh, <laughs> uh, good point, yes. The Florida is, man yeah. says it's the way to go. I'll tell you what. Yep. Yeah. All right. Sticking with movies. Hey, people are finally watching Tenet. Go figure. People are Sticking not liking something. the movie. Go figure. Christopher Nolan isn't an artist. Go figure. Hmm. Well, I don't know I'm if I'd go that far. I would argue that it's like my ongoing thing, which is artists are often only as good as the people who say no to them. Yeah. And this this reeks of a movie that not enough people said no to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like essentially people wanted a Inception uh, double, and they let Nolan do what he wanted. And you know, this isn't the first time that Nolan's done this. You know, the third Batman movie. You know, Interstellar. It, well, I feel like that movie. No, I, the I, longer I... the movie went on, people should have started saying no to him. <laughs> It was a good movie. Oh, that is an epic. It was. I I had a great time watching that, but that's uh, probably been one of the movies that I've enjoyed from him the most. Yeah. Uh, because it 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 was fun to rewatch it. Yeah. With Tenant, I've watched it once. Yeah. I as as a, a a first time viewing and a person who's avoided almost anything about this movie other than what we've reported on. Um. Or what we've talked about. I wouldn't say it's reporting. What we've talked about. I, I've just been like, okay, I don't really have an opinion about this movie. So I watched it. And I was like, that was cool. That was like a summer blockbuster, right? Like, let's go in and sit down and watch it. Action, action. Oh, they tried to give me something to think about. Yeah. And that think about subject is going to be, I have to watch it at least one or two more times. In order to validate it, yeah, uh, I I don't know if it's a good enough movie for me to go watch it 
or invest in it that many times to get the desired, you know, buy-in from me. <laughs> I, just I completely think. zoned out and forgot what we were talking about. I know, I remembered again, but for a second there, I'm like, what the fuck is he going on about? <laughs> no, I, I just, you have to no, watch it a few in general. times, I just, right? I meant in general. Yeah. No, no, you gotta get people in to buy the candy bars. <laughs> I don't the, know, I just don't see what candy? all the fuss was about. I don't see what the fuck the fuss was about. I really don't. <laughs> it's not that good of a movie. <laughs> to no. me. Take the stand that he did and make the comments that he made. Like, wow! Well, I think he wanted his his ticket sale dollars. Yeah, yeah. Well, he wanted his bonus. Yeah, he should have creatively gone about. Well, he should have. He should have just gone to the studio and negotiated. It's that simple. He should have just done what they did with Wonder Woman and say, "Hey, look, guarantee me this." And you could do whatever the heck you want with it. Oh, I don't think I don't think his ego let him. I mean, I think this yeah. entire thing is a is a story of ego. Yes, that's true. But it costs people lives and health. <laughs> so, can you imagine? Yeah. Can you honestly imagine getting COVID because you went to go watch Tenet in the theater? It'd be the best. <laughs> it would be the best 2020. <laughs> All of it. This is we've made it. 2020 guys. Bah, 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 bah. Yeah. I hate exactly. that. I hate all of this. Yeah, it, it would be it, like ima- imagine if you could prove and then you litigate that. <laughs> I actually watched Tenet the day I cut the tip of my finger off and oh. I was coked out on painkillers and I was like, yes, I have solved this movie. And that's why I understand it. Is I think that I was high and I'm like, oh, I see the matrix here. I see what you've gone for. It's still bad, but I see what you tried to do. So funny. Yeah. I, I, I think I think it was exactly what we talked about with with Chris in that they thought it would be really cool if we filmed a fight with one person in one person one period of time and the other person in the other period of time. Yep. And then we do that like four other times. <laughs> well, it's <laughs> so that, like, yeah. And then it's I wanna ride on this boat, that's the new fastest boat in the world. And they were like, Fine, whatever. Yeah, it, it's it really was about getting these epic. It's becoming more and more like Michael Bay films for me. Yep. It's like, OK, we're just going to. OK, now we need to get this. We need to get I, this type of actor. We need to do this. This is the formula that we're going to plug into. Yeah, and it's like, you know, it's like I know with Michael Bay, I'm going to get these huge sweeping shots. This these type of actors, I'm going to probably see Megan mm-hmm. Fox's butt. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, it, it's just there's a formula that he has. And I'm like, OK, it's on Netflix now and they call it Six Underground. Guess what? It's still going to be the same bullshit. Like, it's going to be Michael Bay. Six Underground. I, 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 I mean, I agree with you. And I would argue that. How to put this? I would argue that. Um, yes. Nolan's shots are less busy than Michael Bay's. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, if I had to choose to watch one, I'd probably choose to watch Nolan's movie because it's probably going to be something that makes me think a little more than Michael Bay. Well, yeah, he has his quasi-intellectualism going on, at least. Yeah. You know, Michael Bay really wants you to know about Romeo and Juliet laws. Mm. Um, he's going to stop the movie so you know about a way to 
sleep with a minor, Michael Bay. Do <laughs> <laughs> you don't remember that? He did that. Yeah, yeah I know. He I has. Know. He stopped a Transformers movie to explain Romeo and Juliet laws to you. Wow. Let's get to the next topic because I'm losing it. <laughs> Reboots in movies and video games. <laughs> sure. Fuck it. Everything's meaningless. Next topic. <laughs> no. Um, so we talked about this a little bit, and I'm gonna I'm gonna regurgitate Phil's point yep. a little bit. I think this is where we want to jump. And Phil yep. basically said, um, basically said. And I'm going to paraphrase a little bit for the sake of the conversation so you can come back to us. But Phil basically said, what is the difference between rebooting these movies, which get various levels of pushback? Sometimes people are like, yeah, they're like, seriously, um, versus rebooting video games, which broadly speaking, tend to get a lot more popular support. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is that about right? Yeah. So, and I, I think there's a differentiation. Um, and the differentiation comes from um, ludonarrative synergy, which is that rebooting a movie and making it more pretty does not actually fundamentally change the experience. It can be a prettier movie, but at the end of the day, it's still a movie. Because video games have a ludonarrative interaction between you and the object, a reboot remaster that, that that fundamentally changes some of those actual functionings is a more of a change in kind than just right. redoing the movie is. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I agree. <laughs> However, I get annoyed. Sure. This is me putting my customer hat on. Yep. I do get annoyed with the cycle of it that's all where oh yeah it's like okay we have a ps4 and we have this game let's say whatever and then okay now there's a ps5 now you got to buy that same game again and then when the ps6 comes out you're going to buy that same game again it was it was the whole gta 5 gta 5 gta (laughs) last of us on playstation 3 there were three gta games Mm -hmm. yep since GTA 5, it's been on three generations of consoles. Yep. yep. That, that's what bothers me. Because you're not changing the way... It's one thing if it reboots and it's reimagined. Like, it's, it's okay, we're going to take it from... It was in this time frame or this city, and now we're going to reboot that game engine or update it, and we're going to tell the story in a different way and whatnot. Then I can buy in on it a little more because I'm like, ah, maybe I'll spend my 80 bucks on that. But if it's the exact same game, that's where I get a little bit crusty as a customer because I'm like, oh, now we're going to, you know, The Last of Us Part 1, right? It came out on the PS3, and then they did the remake. And it's so, like, well, we're going to add on bonus content or we're going to give you a for, for 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 the counterpoint then, so if you were, let's say, let's let's say you already owned Assassin's Creed 3 mm-hmm. on PC, let's say. So you would have been thrilled with the remaster because if you owned it on PC, they were just like, oh, just, you get the remaster. Right. Versus, and the remaster, I think, was it was basically an excuse to then put it on the Switch. Right. 
which they were like, look, if you own it, I think it was you owned it on PC, you got the upgrade for free. And I think if it was on console, you could get like a DLC that was a lot less than rebuying the full game. And the Switch, you just had to buy the full game again. Those are creative ways around the issue, yes. Yeah, yeah, that's that's less bad in your viewpoint. And then... Yes, like if if you give me a break on the new features, Mm -hmm. then I'm more prone to take yeah. a chance on it or spend money on it. But or, or seven the same or Final Fantasy seven being functionally. It's it looks like it's actually a sequel. Yeah, yeah. but that's yeah, a whole separate different thing. game. That's yeah. I yeah. want to talk about it with someone at some point. Because, yeah, canonically, that end of that thing implies it's actually a sequel. It's, um, because we've changed yeah. major plot points and, through and, time and, travel. And, and, and what's his name? Sephiroth. He knows gone through this before i must not fail this time so does Eric. yeah exactly so and that doesn't die all of a sudden yeah that's like a major character still alive yeah so not only is this a remake but it's kind of like a sequel retelling continuation of it yeah. without it being yeah. advent children advent children so mm-hmm. it's not advent children is okay advent oh, children is also canonical now because yeah. that, that's who you kill, is those final three bosses. You kill the three of them. Yeah, Here's exactly. the reason why I don't have a big issue with that, per se, as a reboot. It's because it got time to breathe. Yeah. All right? And it, it, it was so old. It needed the brush up. It, it, it deserved it because people had such a high buy-in. I don't argue that kind of stuff. It's the cycle when it's the churn. Yeah, that bothers me. It's, yeah, it's not like if you told me next week you, you, Ubisoft. You know what one of my favorite Ubisoft games is, ever? Said no one ever. Well, Beyond Good and Evil. Oh yeah, that's <laughs> uh, that awesome game. But it yeah, that that's such a weird. weird I know, but if they thing. if they they've been they've been playing around with the idea of rebooting it for a couple of years now, it's always been popping into my news radar. Where it's like, uh, we're kind of yeah. activating a studio, and we think it's going to be beyond good and evil, new new reboot. Yeah, what for me, I would be totally in for that. I if if they, you know, if Kojima and Konami can get along, and if they redid Metal Gear Solid, just hook it to me, hook me in. I'm in. I'm sold. Yeah. I just I just want to see more original stuff. Like I'm gonna say it's Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven. Yeah. And things. New worlds, well, new experiences. Here's new my elements. issue. Here's my issue with a lot of like the reboot, remakes, whatever. Is it's and I understand that there's something to be said about an existing brand, regardless of how good or bad that brand was. There's brand um what's the word that I'm looking for? Brand um familiarity. Yeah. Awareness. Awareness. Brand awareness. Thank you, Tyler. Um, so I understand that that has a lot to do with it, but why, oh why, can't they just take these ideas, change them up a little bit, create new characters, put it in a neat little box, and call it something else, rather than this constant nostalgia reboot, remake, redo? Uh, money. Capitalism. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean... I, genuinely, I think that's one of the few things that, and we're going to go a little political now because you can't not, 
Um, one of the few things that Canada does broadly really well is that because we have a series of artistic funds that you have to be creating a new thing. Yeah. Um, and those and, and and our current government, to their credit, has pushed a lot for that to include comics and video games, which historically it didn't. There's a bunch of legitimate criticisms about the whole process. But compared to a lot of other countries, we have grants for new creators and new properties. Um, but that's what it comes down to, right? Is is let's say you are making a new Spider-Man movie. It's easier to get investors because you're like, it's a new Spider-Man movie, mm-hmm. and it's easier to get marketing coverage because it's just it's Spider-Man again. You start yeah. with a pre-existing narrative in the media space, which is here is how ours is different versus having to sell an entirely new topic. Yeah, like Tarantula Dude wouldn't sell well. I was going to go with Nightcrawler or Night Monkey or whatever it was. <laughs> oh, yeah, Knocked Monkey. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you're right. It's, it's unfortunately, it's economics and, and, and the, the constant need to feed at the nostalgia bucket. Yep. All right, guys. One more topic before we go. And this one. Again, might get a little on the political, but I want to hear what you guys have to (laughs) say and think about this. And that is earlier this week, Twitch has announced that they have beginning to ban certain words like simp and insul and all this. And that is to create a safe space for gamers and viewers and everyone. So obviously right now there's a lot of people who are saying freedom of speech, but Okay. We always have to remember there's a big difference between freedom of speech and terms of services. Well, yeah. So I want to break that down into three things because I know a lot about this, actually. Yep. Um, and the first is, is this is not the first major terms of service update with a political implication amongst Twitch. Uh, Twitch has very strict rules already regarding the Israel-Palestine conflict. Yeah. Um, and I believe there's some pretty banal criticisms of either side that can get you banned from Twitch for life. Um, like, you know, I, I think that if you... I, my understanding is that if you call Israel a colonizer, you are banned from Twitch. Hmm. And, and like, already they're limiting political discourse. Yeah. So that's part of it. And then, as Boris said and alluded to, there's a big difference between government censorship and terms of service agreement. There is a, a, the, the law of the internet that if you don't do any terms of service, your place inevitably becomes overgrown, over, overrunning with Nazis and monsters. Mm. That's what happened to TikTok. It's exactly what happened to TikTok. It's what happens, like, if you run a freaking forum for car repair and you don't have a terms of service agreement, you end up with a lot of Nazis. They even made a joke about that on Mythic Quest, the show yep. on Apple TV. And it was actually mm-hmm. one of the funnier yeah. episodes because it yeah. literally dealt with Nazis. And then kind of the third part of this is that it's the paradox of free speech. There's this argument that the solution to free speech is more free speech. But when you look at the difference between, let's say, Phil makes a million dollars a year and I make $10,000 a year. 
in this instance, undeniably, Phil is upper class, and I am lower class financially. And let's say we're both in the same forum. If someone calls Phil whatever epithet, and he's, he's a millionaire, it's going to mentally affect him a lot less. And if it does affect him, he has a lot more tools and resources at his disposal to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Versus... I $10,000, if someone says something really mean to me, maybe it's like, in general, I'm in poverty. I'm probably also food insecure, which means that mentally, I mean, if you're if you're hungry, anyone can say if you've been over hungry, your brain does not work as good. Yep. Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden, like I get attacked on there and it just is worse against. And then that maps across almost every power structure we have in the world. Yeah, yeah. Whether it's ethnicity or gender identity or however you want to do it. So failure to account for that means that you end up with people who are in positions of pre-existing power chasing out everyone who is an other. Yeah. And you see it happen, you see that happen on Twitter where like you lost a bunch of people who were from various victimized groups. And then the, the counter is how they don't have to be a victim. They can just leave the internet. It's like, sure, I would get, if I left Facebook, despite the fact I regularly get people attacking me and trying to dox me, I would lose 30% of my take home. Mm. Yeah. But I, I, but instead I just get to deal with the fact that like clockwork about once a month, some bigot finds me and tries to get on me for being an openly bisexual dude. And it happens. And I imagine Boris gets similar of like the racial bullshit. And you've talked about it, getting angry about it. Yeah. It's just like okay. clockwork. They just it they is. just find you. Yep. One hundred percent. That's exactly how it works, unfortunately. Um yeah, so it's you brought up some awesome points, really good breakdown. Um and that's the thing, like I think it's always important and people need to remember that there is a big difference between freedom of speech as a American thing. <laughs> It's not a Canadian thing to us, like, you know, freedom of speech per se. Um, yeah, we have a legal limitation to freedom of speech that yes. is very clearly enunciated versus theirs. Yes. The right. important thing is that freedom of speech, you don't get thrown in the gulag for saying something stupid out in public. That's what freedom of speech gives you. You know, it doesn't allow you to go on Twitter and start throwing end bombs just because. Yeah. You can't attack somebody. Like, and honestly, w- with this announcement, okay, it, it's good that they're staying on top of maybe some newer yeah. words or, or things like that. Uh, the, I, I just get annoyed at Amazon or Twitch. Yes. In the sense that they go and they delete thousands and thousands of hours of sure. streamer stuff because it violated the company thing. Sure. And then they softball protecting people from attacks like this. In 100%. Any way. You know, yeah. like, well, in a month, we're going to update this and this is going to be yeah. that. But we're just arbitrarily going to take all of your revenue or affect your, your actual livelihood yes. that you're earning off of our, our systems. Yep. And we can just arbitrarily do that. You know, that, like that, that doesn't sit great with me. That is. I'm glad. Yeah. That's honestly I mean, a fantastic I mean, ethically. point. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's why I so strongly support breaking up these monopolies, right? Because in an ideal world, you'd have Twitch and YouTube and maybe a couple others more directly participate, like competing, mm. which cool. would then get you some more nuanced views and it would encourage better whatever. That's exactly it. Because it's essentially being monopolized by one or two companies, everything comes down to those what, what those one or two companies think is right and wrong. You know, you don't have yep. this, 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 this group thought, this, 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 this partnership between a shit ton of companies thinking what the best approach is for us. You know, it's literally right now we're being dictated so much by Amazon, by Facebook, by Google. You know, these are companies who own their space and they dictate to us what's right and what's wrong. And own like a bunch of space, right? Yeah. Like, you can't go. Sorry, you can't. It's but like, yeah. Complaining about YouTube through through your Gmail account. Yes. Is a weird like. It's a weird uh, flex. Shit. Yeah, it's a weird well, flex. It's not a flex. It's just like, oh shit, right? And you know, I'm not saying Google does censor you for doing that. I'm saying Google has the capacity to censor you for doing that if they really wanted to. Yeah. Yeah. Having said that, all hail our Amazon. Google, Apple, Overlords, thank you for keeping us on your platform. Yep. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what it comes down to, right? Well, and yeah. the other side being, you know, well, if we really want to talk about it. Look at the terms of service yeah. that that Amazon put up on our face when they asked us to be part of their initial launch for the podcasting channel. You know, yep. we weren't allowed to talk ill will of Amazon and any Amazon subsidiary. Like that that is our entire show. Yeah. Our entire show. You know, like a quarter of it. It, it, <laughs> yeah. it, it is it is like a, a, a regular discussion point, right? Like I'm not mm-hmm. happy with the way Audible did something, which is Amazon oh, or Twitch, which is Amazon, which is you know, it's easy to to for, to to not perceive how deep the the actual roots go and the same with Google mm-hmm. and the same with Facebook. And, the, you know, the, you look at there's Instagram, there's WhatsApp. Facebook isn't just an app itself. It, it's, it's a lot of different companies. Oculus. There's a lot of stuff happening there. Yeah. There's Often a lot you going try on. To put censorship on that. Like, and I, I'm, it's one thing to be censoring words that are hurtful. And it's another to be censoring critical thoughts about companies <laughs> but here's, <laughs> here's the thing though things. here's the thing the, and this is i think gonna lead us into the last discussion point um and that is it's one thing putting up these guidelines and then it's another thing being proactive about actually helping someone who asks for the help hey i'm being abused yeah. by this group of people oh, help God. me no you're on your own no you're on your own mm-hmm. you know like, how often do you yep. hear these stories of, you know, and I, uh, there's a can of worms I want to open, and it's with a new platform that's out there, and that's OnlyFans, but this is exactly the conversation that I want to have, but I think we're going to save it for another discussion. Yep. Okay. Well, I, okay. I mean, I think that, I think that actually, briefly, um, Kind of two points I think that are good for us to end on. Uh, number one is I think that the competitors on podcast sources or what are, what are they called? Podcast 
The feeders. Aggregators are there. Yeah. Feeds, thank you, feeders. Um, that competition, like, kind of demonstrates, and, and, you know, Amazon put that TOS on us. It's not as strictly enforced as it could be. Yeah. And I think it's because, like, we'll go to iTunes and or Feedly and or whatever. Um, and, and that is one of the few places that, you know, if we're, if we're going to do capitalism, you've got to have competition in the <clears> right <throat> way. And that's one of it. Yeah, but capitalism competition means Google yeah. or Alphabet just owns the competition, too. And they're in competition what? against each other. Well, and that's why I'm pro antitrust. I know. <laughs> like, that's why I'm pro, like, no, Google gets broken up. Yeah. But that's um, the thing. Like, that's the world we live in. Like, if you actually follow the yeah. money, there's like four companies that own everything. Yeah. Like, all, what is it? All, all news media in North America is owned by five companies. Yep. And Sinclair Corp has like 89% of them. Um, you know, the, you know, those, yeah. anytime when you Disney see those, is another one. Yeah. And AT&T. Well, they got their own issues right now. Sure, but they own a lot of stuff. Yeah. DC Comics. On top of it yep. all. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Warner Brothers. <laughs> yep. Everything. Yep. Yep. My, my other point is, and this is one of the few points that I haven't changed my view at all on, and we've been talking about it since, like, I think the third episode of the podcast, which is that if you're a creator, you've got to be careful with what platforms yeah. you're on. Yep. It's so easy for one of these platforms to change the algorithm, and suddenly your your career is gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We see this so often. Oftentimes, I think it just happens because a creator gets comfortable with a platform, and mm-hmm. you know they're making money, but they don't see growth. They don't think that change can happen, and then change happens, and then look how many creators lost a shit ton of money. And I know we were talking about this. When YouTube changed their terms of services like five years ago, and the yep. monetization became absolute shit, or yeah, they, twi- they even did it this year too. Yeah. They changed the child viewing stuff right in January, and it completely collapsed in the Lego community. Yeah, because yep. it, it we we just didn't know what we're allowed to show and what we're not allowed to show because those episodes are created for adults but now they're going to be classified as kids and now you're in violation of kids terms which means your channel gets demonetized shut down and yeah it's just a weird space yep exactly and it forced a lot of change because now jang bricks has a specific format that he has to follow when he produces his show in order to keep it out of the the radar and he's gone to a patreon platform yeah there's like a lot of changes that that instigated out of just a tiny segment of YouTube. So, yeah. Yep. And Patreon's exactly. been good thus far, but it, there's no reason to say it can't get bought out or the CEO mm-hmm. decides to change the rules. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly it. You have to be very careful about what platform you're in. I think that's something that honestly all has always resonated with me when you originally said it. I'm like, you know what? That mm-hmm. is probably the smartest thing that you can tell an up and coming creator. Well, yeah, look, like if you're if you're getting traffic on YouTube, make hay while the sun shines, but exactly. understand it can go away. And I, mm-hmm. I mean, and I learned it from like the Penny Arcade and PVP guys because it happened to them like in 2001, yeah. 2002. It just keeps happening to people. And it's whenever possible, have stuff you control. Yeah, yep. it might cost you more money. Like look at us, for example, right? Independently run. Mm-hmm. We don't really rely on anyone per se. Um, but it comes out of our own yep. pocket. Yeah. 
Well, yeah, and, and you know, it's it's also you're going to lose some people, right? Yeah, like, it's if you're on YouTube and then you're like, hey, I'm going to have this private video on my website. It you're not getting the benefit of YouTube. You're yeah. just not. Even if you even if you get ad space on it or whatever, it's your your discoverability goes down, and that's yeah. that's the devil's bargain. But then then you hope you hope kind of to reach the the level of let's say Neil Gaiman, who like you have so many fans that like fuck it, you just do whatever you want because thing. your brand is enough. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That's exactly, exactly it. And I think that is a perfect place to leave us. Thank you so much for that, guys. Bill, how about you tell our awesome listeners where they can get a hold of us? Well, of course. Well, you can find us on the internet at www.itcanonpodcast.com. You can track us down on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at It's Canon Podcast. You can email us at show at itscanonpodcast.com. You can subscribe via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, Podbean, Amazon, iHeartRadio, Intune Radio. Anywhere you find podcasts, you're going to find the It's Canon Podcast Show. If you like what you hear so far, be sure that you click the subscribe button so you can also be included on all of our 12 Days of Christmas and wacky episodes that we produce, along with sometimes we have our weekly specials. And as well, please leave us a rate and review on any of these sites that allow you to. It's greatly appreciated. It gets us more ears. And thank you so much for spending your time with us today. Thank you, Phil. Guys, officially, regardless of what the plan is, this is the last news episode of 2020. Any final words, Phil? Be safe out there. Tyler. Fucked up world. Take control of your own stuff. Yep. Those are great words. Good words. I want to thank each and every person that has listened to us for the past seven months. Again, I brought this show back simply because I had a lot more time on my hands again. No more traveling for work. I was home. We were in the middle of a pandemic, and I felt like I needed a little bit of geek therapy. So I was going to do the show alone. And so I'm grateful and thankful to phil and tyler for coming on board tyler five years i can't believe that we've been doing this on and off for five years thank you so much and phil honestly you and i we've done some uh, pretty amazing stuff over the past 10 years with the red patch boys and other projects um and it means a lot that i get to geek uh, with two of my better friends and i just want to thank all of our listeners for listening like honestly however you find us whether you know us or you're a fan thank you so much you guys are honestly the reason why we make this show and why we produce so many shows in a week. And that's because a lot of people ask it from us. And if we can get that one person sending in an email and saying thank you, honestly, that makes the world for me. And I'm sure for the other two guys, we're really appreciative of all of the support that we've gotten in 2020. 2021 is going to be an awesome year. So the next time you hear us, it's going to be for Mando Monday, the rest of of 12 days of christmas be sure to check out our christmas special and then we have the best and worst of 2020 and that will take us into 2021 and whatever 2021 gives us so thank you everyone on behalf of phil and tyler good night <laughs>